0: Hello everyone and welcome to another great archive from Restorative Justice on the Rise which is an international radio webcast in its third season. This particular archive features Matthew Hartman who is the Restorative Justice Coordinator for the Clackamas County juvenile department in the victim offender dialogue program that's in the Portland, Oregon area. This was a really powerful conversation that provided a lot of insights about the great things that are happening in the Northwest region of the United States. It's from June, 2013. And we also welcome you to come back to restorativejusticeontherise.com again and again to access an incredible array of archives, over a hundred of them. Now, again, in our third season, we've been talking with way showers and people on the ground from all over the world, not just the United States. So again, please access restorativejusticeontherise.com for more information about the upcoming guests as well as the archives. And thank you to the National Peace Alliance, for its co-sponsorship of our programming. We invite you to join us soon and look forward to seeing you and hearing from you as well. Enjoy this archive from June 2013 with Matthew Hartman.
1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome. This is your host, Molly Rowan Leach, and you're participating in Restorative Justice on the Rise, which is an ongoing webcast and telecouncil series accessible worldwide, co-sponsored by the Peace Alliance. And this platform is hoping to leverage virtual technologies in order for there to be a verdant conversation and uh, education connection, as well as uh, hopefully inspired action out of this series and and its archives um, in the field of restorative justice and restorative practices, and beyond. And uh, you are definitely an important part of this conversation and circle, and we hope that you find this space uh, easily accessible as well as a great spot for you to get involved in the conversation. Whether you're joining us from the webcast or live in the telecouncil room, we welcome your questions and comments. I know quite a few of you have submitted submitted some for our special guest tonight already, but certainly during the hour, we always welcome for you to do so as we go. So we'll be breaking out into um, that period of our time together at about halftime or so. And in order to ask a question, if you're in the telecounsel room, just press one on your keypad, your telephone keypad, and that alerts us that you might have a question or a comment. If you're on the webcast, there's a module box on the left-hand side of your screen that allows you to ask questions through that channel as well. So I I wanted to say a few words of appreciation, too, tonight about all of the people that come from various parts of the world to this council space. We have, I I know I've mentioned this before, but I just want to say again, we have a broad spectrum of, of people coming in from different professions and certainly a variety of representatives in the the community of stakeholders. So I just want to welcome you all again. And um, without further ado, let's, let's talk a little bit about our wonderful and very special honored guest tonight. His name is Matthew Hartman. Matthew is with us tonight. Um, He's preparing uh, to help put on the Northwest Justice Forum coming up next week here in in the Portland, Oregon area. He's the Restorative Justice Coordinator at the Clackamas County Juvenile Department, and he's chair for the Northwest Justice Forum Planning Committee, as I just mentioned. Now, the Northwest Justice Forum will be featuring... A lot of wonderful representatives from the local area doing panels and, and breakout sessions as well as uh, uh, a couple different aspects of offerings from um, Howard Zare and also Lorraine Stutzman-Amstutz. And that's June 25th through the 27th in Oregon City, Oregon. You can catch more information plus a full-on brochure of the incredibly substance, substantive um Sessions that will be offered, including two, next Tuesday, a full on workshop with Lorraine Stutzman Amstutz all day next Tuesday. Uh, Northwest Justice Forum, nwjusticeforum.com is where you can access more information. And um, I, I need to mention too that um, Matthew is the Restorative Justice Coordinator of the Clackamas County Juvenile Department. And for more information, and I'll mention this again tonight as we go into the conversation, but you can check out more about what he's up to there um, and all their programming at clackamas.us backslash juvenile. That's clackamas, C L A C K A M A S dot US backslash juvenile. So without further ado, I'd just like to welcome you, Matthew, and wonder if you might start us out tonight, as we often do, with a little bit of, of background on how, how you got into the field of restorative justice and, and what brought you into it. Welcome.
2: Sure. Thank you very much, Molly, for having me. First of all, it's an honor to be a part of the, the group that you bring together, and I just really appreciate the opportunity. Um, background... Um, don't want to go back too far <laughs> and talk about my childhood or anything, but I will say that a large part of what brought me into this work is uh, my Mennonite background. Um, growing up Mennonite and then uh, participating in Mennonite institutions in terms of my education, um, my mom's values of justice, things like that. Um, and then, of course, Howard there was a big part of that. I actually met Howard um, not as a practitioner or talking about restorative justice, but helping him to hang some radio wires, I believe, because he had heard I was a rock climber, so that was fun. So I learned a lot from him. But in terms of what really got me into restorative justice, it's it's interesting. I always talk to people and, and when I'm talking about this I explain that it kind of it keeps pulling me in somehow. Um it wasn't my intention. Uh, to be a restorative justice practitioner. Uh, when I got my master's at the um, Center for Justice and Peacebuilding at Eastern Mennonite, it was really I focused on conflict transformation and specifically strategic peace building in terms of how to bring the different disciplines of peace building together strategically to create um, sustainable change. And so, uh, you know, recent history, I, I received my master's probably about six years ago and spent two years in southern Oregon, started off doing training in conflict resolution. And, again, those things that just kind of pull you in, um, that just timing the people you're surrounded with, uh There was a person there, Fred Perloff, who was an amazing mentor to me and knows so much and is so gifted in restorative justice uh, facilitation. And so him and I got to work together and ended up uh, redeveloping what was at that time their Victim Offender Mediation Program into a program called VIA, uh, Victim Assistance Youth Accountability. And so that was kind of what pulled me back into the field of restorative justice. I had learned a lot while I was in school, but that's what got me into it as a practitioner. And then this opportunity uh, here at Clackamas County Juvenile Department opened up. And I thought I'd give it a shot. It sounded interesting and kind of scary and kind of uh, exciting all at the same time and gave it a shot and it worked out. And so, I've been here for the past uh, three and a half years about. So I don't know mm-hmm. if that's enough or if you have other questions.
1: <laughs> oh, that's a great start. Thank you so much. and uh, so, do you work directly with law enforcement officials then? Uh, but let's go let's go into some of the programs that, that you've brought in uh, in your time there, a little bit more on the ground level, but tell tell us a little bit about what your daily Interactions look like, who are you interacting with and working most closely with
2: Yeah, that's a good question so it it varies a lot i I have I would say three primary roles here at the juvenile department, um, and this has evolved over time as well. When I was first brought in. Um, It was primarily with the vision of simply developing a uh, program to provide meaningful service to victims, to crime victims of juvenile offense, um, which is called our Victim Impact Program. Um, So it was really program development and program support for all of our other programs in terms of our Victim Offender Dialogue Program. Um, our restorative community service, uh, our skills groups, and our project payback, which is a restitution payback program. So that has been, from the beginning, a primary role that I play is really supporting the the four, actually five, program coordinators, amazing program coordinators that we have, and uh, helping and working with them to as much as possible align their work with restorative justice values and principles, which as I'm sure most of the people in the the forum here tonight know is is a journey, it's an ongoing journey. Um, Each uh, circumstance we find ourselves in, we're, we're always trying to ask ourselves, does this align, can our response better align with restorative justice values and principles? So that's a key piece of it. Um, One thing that has evolved, though, is there's been a stronger and stronger support from leadership um, to really align everything we do uh, to the best extent possible with restorative justice values and principles. So how are the juvenile counselors or the probation officers um, talking with youth about the harm that was caused, about the crime? are they speaking about the laws that were broken, or are they speaking about the people that were harmed? Um, so questions like that—how, what does it look like in the courtroom? Um, and, and our judge has been incredibly supportive and flexible as well in terms of asking questions about impact and um, making things right, and, and you know these st- these cornerstones of restorative justice, trying to infuse them in. Our paperwork in every process, every interaction that we have, both internally and externally. Um, so that's another key role that I've taken on. And then mm-hmm. the third role uh, really would be regarding kind of community outreach uh, one of the things that is really important to me and I've seen this happen where there we're s- certainly not the first juvenile department to infuse our work with restorative justice and try and be led by restorative justice as a foundation. Um, But what I've seen happen in many places is these juvenile departments that have come so far and then leadership changes and a lot of that gets lost. And so the only way I can find to try and combat that, that fear of mine, that anxiety that that might happen someday is really how can we educate and raise the awareness of the community so that they're mm-hmm. calling into place uh, leadership that will encourage these values and principles and mm-hmm. sustain them. Um, so that's, that's I would say, the third uh, key role that I play. And that's what has gotten me involved with things like the Northwest Justice Forum and RJCo, which is the Restorative Justice Coalition of Oregon, um, which mm-hmm. we can talk more about that later if you want
1: I'd love to talk about that more later, yeah, that yeah. would be great i i actually, it's interesting that you that you were pointing in the direction that you just were mentioning around the mm-hmm. community outreach and mm. and um even you know the bit about the judge and everything mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that seems to be prevalent right now, at least um, from what I've seen in Colorado, where we just passed. House Bill 131254, which is now law, and it's called the Restorative Justice Pilot Project. And one of the things that is really a hot topic right now in the conversation is in those four counties where the test project or the pilot project is going to really be implemented, there's a State Council that's doing incredible work. Um, And one of the things that they're focused on is How do we continue the conversation in these communities? How do we help share information more effectively? How do we language in a way that, you know, helps it to make sense for people who may have never heard what restorative justice is Mm -hmm. but want to know more? You know, including judges, DAs, VAs. Um, you know, community members who are drawn to it but really don't know where to begin. Could you speak more about this aspect of your job? That what ideas are you, are you coming up with with your team as to how that looks and how that works?
2: Well, what I can say is, I, I mean, I think the first key piece to this is the support of the leadership of the juvenile department. Um, Ellen Crawford, who's the director, um, and all the supervisors are very supportive of what we're trying to do here, and they're also very well respected in the community and with the different stakeholders that are involved in the criminal justice system. So them simply you know, talking about what we're doing, them being so supportive of it uh, internally and externally, I think is a huge part of that but then also in what they're allowing me to allocate some of my time toward. Uh, so, for example, one thing that we've done, and we could not have anticipated uh, the energy that's come around this, is basically three times a year. Our purpose was to have a training that was to uh, train our volunteers, new staff, um, and then community members, if, if we could get them, and partners uh, were really strong in partnering with the community uh, to train them in restorative justice, who we are as a department, and how to work with youth, of course. And what's been incredible about that is the turnouts that we've had at these trainings. We've been doing that for about three years now. And we offer it for free, which again comes down to the support of leadership. Um, But we've had the last training we had, 28 people show up. Um, and that's pretty much a regular occurrence. And many, if not most, of those people are community members, uh, students, and people from nonprofits in the area. Uh, and so that's been one, I think, very effective way of spreading the energy and the momentum you know, that that's, we see happening internally out to the community as well. Um, because the community is so central. For us to be restorative um, as a whole, as a department, the community has to be a part of that. And so we have to find ways both to educate but also to build bridges with the community. Um, As a government agency that, you know, there's a lot of different perceptions out there that exist because we are part of a a criminal justice system that of course we know has a history of um, a punitive approach and sometimes harmful approach. uh, so we're trying to change that perception, trying to build those bridges uh, to try and create those partnerships and that understanding in the community. So mm-hmm. I would say that's a key mm-hmm. part of it. The area that we can grow the most in, though, in terms of that aspect, really are the other partners in terms of the stakeholders of the criminal justice system. So um, police, sheriff, uh, district attorneys, um, defense attorneys, um, the judges, you know, different, all those different people that come into play. And, and we've made some headway, and there's definitely some support there, but that we, we have a lot more work to do in that arena. Um, and ultimately, Matthew, I think that's... Go ahead.
1: Oh, excuse me. I just, no, no, um, you're bringing up a lot of great stuff here. <laughs> um, the, the fact that you're, so to speak, on the inside here... Within a system that has really in many ways let's face it um, come to a place of, of severe brokenness and misdirection but but yet um, such opportunity right now to transform and pave new ways and I wonder especially with our youth, um, given that that's that's your focus here with youth it, but but in bro- in more of a broader sense, would you like to speak a little bit about what you you might see as some of the the failures of our our punitive system, perhaps like um, the three strikes you outlaw, or the um, you know the some of the rules in schools that that really are you know a.k.a. school to prison pipeline. What 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 has come before or is still existing that restorative justice directly responds to, and how do those two how do they intersect?
2: Yeah, um, that's a
1: big that's a question. Great, but it is a big question.
2: <laughs> Hard to know where yeah. to start. But I mean, I can say a few things that are really relevant here right now, um, and this really shows in, for example, the the training that you were speaking of, uh, the pre-forum training for the Northwest Justice Forum, is on restorative justice in schools with Lorraine Stutzman Amstutz, and. That, you know, training, we had 200, over 200 participants um, sign up for it. I think we're probably close to 20 to 25 schools represented. And it wasn't very hard to make that happen. Um, So that just goes to show that there is a huge interest. I think people are... Definitely recognizing that what we're doing is not getting us to where we want to be. It's not leading to the outcomes that we seek. Um, And so, you know, the things that we've seen as harmful are these things like, you know, three strikes, you're out, or no tolerance policies. Um, The disproportionate minority contact is still a huge issue, um, both within the system and within, you know, the school-to-prison pipeline, as you say. And so... Restorative justice really is one way to kind of, I believe can help us address that, those different issues. Um, and I think schools are seeing that as well, schools leadership, uh, the different districts in this area. Um, so that's that's a big hope for us, uh, so much so that we were able to get, without much convincing, uh, four counties in this area, Clark County, which I'd be remiss to say, they to not say um, they've been doing similar stuff to what we are doing. In fact, much of what we're doing is modeled after them, of course, with differences. And as we learn our area, we're doing it differently. But um, they've been trying to infuse restorative justice in their system. I shouldn't say trying. They've been successfully doing it for about 12 years now. Um, So that's another juvenile department that's really done amazing work, and they've paved the way in many ways, for what we're doing. Um, and
1: where is that again?
2: That's just north of Portland. So it's in Washington, but it's like uh-huh. over the bridge, <laughs> literally. <laughs> so.
1: It's Vancouver?
2: Yeah, yeah, Vancouver, Washington. Um, so then uh, we got Clark County, Washington County, which is west of Clackamas County, and then Multnomah County, which is, of course, Portland, um, and then Clackamas County, all four juvenile departments sponsored the preform training so that we could offer a very low cost, it was $30 per person for school staff, um, for anybody in the area. Um, and so, I, you know, it just goes to show that the, the criminal justice system here, at least in terms of juvenile system, is very interested in finding new ways, and you know, maybe not new, but finding ways to address what is not successfully being addressed. And I think there's a lot of belief here that restorative justice can be that way. Um, so that's mm-hmm. exciting. So, well, and you know, and
1: cer- go ahead. Certainly, Oregon seems to, to be a rather progressive state, if I might be uh, a little bit general here in speaking. And um, wondering what what your take is on kind of the temperature statewide mm. surrounding restorative justice and any legislation that is either recent or of note or upcoming that you might know of surrounding restorative justice.
2: Well, so I, I would say, you know, I'd say two things. Number one, Oregon is a very when it comes to progressive conservative ideals. It's actually a very diverse state, Um, similar to what we see in other states, I would imagine most. The urban areas tend to be more progressive, the rural areas a bit more conservative. But one of the things that I have found and that really excites me about the work that I'm doing is that restorative justice really can be um, ideologically center. Um, It can resonate with both conservative and progressive.
3: Mm-hmm. ideals. Well said. And,
2: and so I've really had a lot of success. I've spoken with several legislators. I haven't done as much as I would like, but the little bit that I have done both conservative and well uh, I should say both Republican and Democratic uh, legislators have been very open and supportive of this idea. We have not, the thing that we're working on and this is where Restorative Justice Coalition of Oregon, RJ Co. comes into play, is we haven't had too much of a concerted um, and strategic effort on a statewide level. There's been a lot of local work uh, being done and, and incredibly good work by the various nonprofits and juvenile departments um, and you know, some even outside of that throughout the state and the schools as well. But we haven't really strategically come together to try and address legislative issues, things like that. Um, so that is something that RJ Co, just probably in the last year, we've really been working hard to redevelop our mission, um, our approach to be a very active approach. that my hope is that we'd be getting information from the local um, groups that are being active and creating change and then taking that information and translating it into statewide. Uh, activism in terms of legislative issues around the criminal justice system. So that's a really exciting development that's taking place in Oregon right now and I think my hope is in the near future that will have a dramatic impact on that question. Um, perhaps in a year or two I'll have much more to say about <laughs> the legislative things that are going on <laughs> because mm-hmm. of that. that would be my hope. <laughs>
1: So, are you saying that there that there's no uh, legislation or that has become law that that you're aware of in the state of Oregon?
2: You know, I I'm not I I'll be honest I'm not up to date with that as much as I should be. When as you're talking, I feel like I have a slight recollection that there has been some legislation that has mentioned restorative justice, but I think it may have been very vague. Um, I do not, I know there's, well, I shouldn't say I know, I'm not aware of any legislation that is specifically about um, providing restorative justice processes or practices, um, but that's something we really want to address in the state, uh, the different mm-hmm. RJ practitioners across the state.
1: So. And it it certainly seems to be something that is well worth um, researching on a national level, state by state. State by state legislation and compiling uh, and just a, a survey of what has occurred out there um, I certainly don't know a whole lot about uh, what's happened in each state and I'm very interested in learning more. I know a lot about what has occurred in Colorado just by the simple fact that that's where I reside but um, as as restorative justice is such an exponential Rising movement here It just seems like such a powerful place Where we can um, Combine our our focus and energies Together on state and national levels Indeed I I wanted to go back for just a minute and ask Does the Oregon Coalition Have a website or anything Virtually that people could reference to It sounds like a great Great group
2: It doesn't
1: Yeah
2: it doesn't yet. Not We're, yet, right? <laughs> no, we, that's okay. one of our – we just had a strategic planning session, um, which was our first one uh, with a new mission that we have. And that was probably about a month or two ago. And so one of the tasks that are – one of our goals for this coming fiscal year is to have a website. Um, yeah, so that's that's our hope is to have one soon.
1: Wonderful. Well, I just want to take a a quick pause here, and if you're just joining us, we're talking with Matthew Hartman, who is with the Clackamas County uh, Juvenile Department. He's the Restorative Justice Coordinator there, and he's also helping to put on the Northwest Justice Forum, which is uh, in Oregon City, Oregon, this upcoming week, next week which features uh, an opportunity to take an all-day training workshop with Lorraine Stutzman-Amstetz, and then uh, a beautiful dinner on Wednesday evening with Howard there and friends, and then an all-day Thursday conference and some, as I mentioned earlier, very substantive uh, ses- breakout sessions. And I think we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, some of the focal points that you're going to bring in and, and local people and programs that you might want to Talk a uh, little bit about. Um, Now, Matthew, could you tell us where we can access more information about the program that you work with, please? Um, In terms of
2: the Clackamas County Juvenile Department or the Northwest Justice
1: Forum? Well, both of them. Just go ahead and reference those again, please.
2: Yeah, sure. So the Clackamas County Juvenile Department, um, the website is clackamas. Oh, dear. O.R. Is that right? No. (laughs) Actually, I'm not sure I know it offhand. (laughs) I should have had that pulled up. Um, I, I do know if you Google Clackamas County Juvenile Department, it is the first thing that comes up, if that helps. And then the Northwest Justice Forum is just nwjusticeforum.com. And and I should say, Molly, just so I don't get you in trouble uh, with the participants of this discussion, uh, the registration did close today at five. So I don't want anybody to get their hopes up that they can register at this point, because unfortunately that did close. So, um, but
1: uh-huh.
2: we do it every year. <laughs> so if you didn't get in this year, please plan on joining us next year for sure.
1: Great. And just a few more words about uh, restorative justice on the rise. We've been in session now for two years, and we have over 70 archives from and conversations with the the world's pioneers in restorative justice and beyond, and really encourage people who are interested in accessing those archives to go to dopeace.us. There's a restorative justice tab over to the left of the menu. And it has a little drop-down sub-menu where you can find upcoming guests uh, as well as uh, on those same pages the archives from um, some just incredible people all doing equally important work in restorative justice and beyond. And we hope you'll access those archives, share them, talk about restorative justice on the rise as a great place to come for conversation, education, education. And dialogue, and um, we're also going to be, for the first time, going all the way through this summer with this series as a uh, focal track of the Summer of Peace. So please join us. We're going to take a short break after tonight's council, and then we're going to rejoin with you on July 4th, actually, and we'll be going all the way through September with the Summer of Peace. So it's going to be a great way to uh, reconvene with you all and with a global constituency um, at that time. And one of our featured guests this summer is going to be uh, Azim Kamisa. and we're also going to be talking with uh, Fanya Davis of Ourjoy and, and many other great guest speakers for the series. So please make sure to stay on with us this summer. Um, and so let's just dive back in, Matthew. Let's go. Let's go in the direction a little bit more around um, around the forum since we were on that subject. And tell us a little bit about what, uh, because even though people, if they haven't registered already, are. are um, the, not going to be able to at this point, but you you've got a really strong representation for um w- what the conversation and the breakout sessions are going to be. Can you tell us a little bit about the importance of some of these focal areas and what they are?
2: yeah indeed, and if I can start by actually just talking about the forum in general um because I think
1: yeah that' great
2: yeah, I think it's a really helpful model um. So the forum, we're in our ninth annual uh, year. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the way to say it, but it's our ninth year. Um, and I, I only came on three years ago, I think, maybe four. Um, so so there's a long history here uh, that has, there's, there's a long history of restorative justice from people like Eric Gilman in Clark County, Betsy Coddington, in Multnomah County with Resolutions uh, Northwest. Um, Warren Oster, who preceded me here at Clackamas County, and there's many others. I, of course, can't name them all. Um, but they, they began, and actually Dennis Maloney from Deschutes County, uh, who we have a tribute to him at this year's forum, he was a key part of this in the very beginning as well. Um, But all of those people, like they started this as a conversation, and it's always been very practitioner-driven around how do we do restorative justice in a way that has integrity and is aligned with the values and principles within the criminal justice system um, and in support of the criminal justice system, uh, in support of meaning in a way that transforms it into a life-giving response to crime. Um, so, so there's been this this long period of time of building a foundation to where we could have a year like this year when we're able to bring people like Howard and Susan and Catherine Bargen and all these amazing people, Fred Van Loo, uh, to, to kind of, uh, we almost doubled our participation this year. Um, and I just I think it's a really good model because it's the focus is on practical application um, along with uh, how do we do it with integrity um, and and it's also a very local focus even though we are bringing more and more people from afar like Howard and Lorraine um, But the key thing is that it's it's accessible because it's a regional conference. Um, it's possible for people from across Washington and Oregon and Idaho to get there. Um, And so it's one of those models. I guess the reason I say that is I'd really, one of the visions I have for this field in the US in particular is to find ways to bring practitioners and people who want to learn more about restorative justice together that is accessible by um, practitioners, by school teachers, by principals, um, by probation officers, and I think this model is really proving to work very well at doing that. Um, so so I love kind of the, the way that the intention in which this forum was set up in the beginning, um, and it's just continued to grow from the beginning, so that's really exciting to see. So in terms of um, our approach this year, so ultimately what it came down to is we found out that Howard was willing, graciously willing, <laughs> um, to be a part of this forum and our keynote, uh, and then Lorraine came on as well. And one of the things that we really were interested in from Howard um, and Lorraine is, is kind of getting this the history of where we've come from, where they perceive we are now, And then also, where are we headed? Um, And and the vision piece, this is a piece I'm particularly excited about. The keynote dinner is Howard giving his vision of where we might be able to be in 10 years from now. Um, And so I'm really excited for him to be able to paint a picture for us of what might restorative justice look like if it truly did take hold, um, if we are at a tipping point. Um, So... All of the workshops, what we really encourage everybody to approach their presentations with is this kind of, where could we be, um, and how do we get there? Uh, so, so it's really exciting to take that approach, to start to think about what might be able to happen, and to see so much energy garnered around that idea um, is really energizing and hopeful for me as a practitioner. Um, yeah, so.
1: Wonderful. Wonderful. Excellent. Well, I'd like to just invite the council members. That means all of you wonderful people that are in the room with us tonight or on the webcast. If you have a question or a comment for Matthew, you can go ahead and press 1 on your telephone keypad from here on out for the remainder of our time together tonight. And it um, looks like we have some submitted questions here from the webcast. I'm going to go ahead and... and um, see here. Stephen asks a question that I would love to present to you, Matthew. And he's, um, he's asking, how can we get something started in Lane County? And he says he's a student at LCC and studying this field as a sociology uh-huh. major, and he's going for an associate in human services and juvenile justice. So He's wondering how to get something started in Lane County.
2: And this Thank is you for that Lane. question, Stephen. Do you know, Molly, did he mention is it Lane County, Oregon? I'm assuming. Yes.
1: Yeah, assuming. And it looks like he is in the room wanting to comment. So I'm going to go ahead and open up the mic.
3: Sure. Um, yeah, I'd love that. Stephen,
1: you are live. Welcome.
4: Yeah, I is in Oregon. Um, I am a student at LCC in Eugene.
2: Uh-huh.
4: No, I just wondered what i do in this area to promote.
2: So the the best thing I would say, Stephen, is get in touch with um, Chip Coker, (laughs) who is the director of, and the name is slipping me right now, slipping my mind, um, if you give me one second, I'll be able to pull it up. But there, there's a program, a very vibrant program, and Chip is really fantastic. Um, and he's very passionate about restorative justice. Um, it's the local nonprofit that does the alternative dispute resolution and restorative justice work. Um, let me, do you know about them?
4: No, I don't. Um, I okay. don't, but I the sponsors. Are you familiar with them?
2: No, I'm not. It's Their name, I just found it, is the Center for Dialogue and Resolution. So that would be something to look up and be in touch with them, because they're doing really great work. Uh, they just recently actually received a pilot grant uh, in coordination uh, with the university there to do a pilot program of RJ and the schools. Um, so it's a really exciting thing for them. Um, and they also are working on adult restorative justice. Um, so they're they're very very active, and so I, if you want to be involved, that those are the folks to get in touch with.
4: Okay, um, for, for just for uh, general information, sponsors is a uh, reentry program here in, in Eugene. It's uh, they've been around since 1970. Um, they're Paul's tech name. Uh, um, I can't remember his last name, but he's the director. And uh, it's—I I was in prison for a couple, for about 21 months, and I went through there, and they really helped me to get uh, started back in the community.
2: Oh, that's great. And I have heard of them. I didn't catch it the first time you said it, but I have heard of them. I just don't know much about them. But that's fantastic to hear that. That was helpful for you. That's great.
4: They also have a. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Sorry, I didn't catch that last part.
4: (laughs) We also have a mentorship program for people that are just getting out of prison, and uh, I I volunteer for that also. Wonderful.
1: Thank you so much, Stephen. We're having a little bit of a feedback on uh, your end of things, I think, but uh, it's really profound what you just shared, and thank you so much for, for your question as well. It's so important to be able to have some kind of idea of where the first steps to take, where, where to find people doing really good things in your mm-hmm. local area. And actually on that note, Matthew, do you happen to know if there is anything existing on the web that kind of gives at least somewhat of a directory in Oregon for um, re- restorative justice or related practices in various parts of the state?
2: You know, again, the best thing is on our website, uh, the Northwest Justice Forum, so nwjusticeforum.com. There is a, there's several places that can link you a little bit um, with what's going on. Unfortunately, we've really limited that to the people involved with the planning committee in terms of where they're from. Um, Our hope, one of the hopes, or one of the discussions, I should say, is to move sorry, there's a page called RJ Near You. And if you click on that, it does list a lot of different counties throughout Washington and Oregon that are doing restorative justice and what they're doing. Um, One of our hopes is really to expand that, um, because it doesn't come close to everything. Um, And possibly once uh, RJ Co. has its website, that this would be a role that RJ Co. might provide. Um, And, of course, our hope, you know, Northwest Justice Forum is a regional conference, so it includes Washington and Oregon, and Idaho is in discussion with us now as to possibly becoming a part of that. Um, Our hope would be that in each state that we're able to develop something like RJCO for each state as well, so that Mm -hmm. all three states can feed information into Northwest Justice Forum in terms of what we're Mm -hmm. doing. Um, but I will say there there is also a link under the sponsors of 2013 forum. Uh, the list of the sponsors, uh, is, one of them is the Center for Dialogue and Resolution, which is the one in Lane County, and it does have a link to their website, along with all of our different departments that are involved in the planning committee. So. Right. yeah,
1: This is such an important part of, of the conversation right now, too. So mm. thank you for taking time to... To give us some ideas here, um, one last piece on this. Uh, Mike asks, and um, he asks about the Portland area, and he doesn't specify in in kind of what area of restorative justice. But do you have any anywhere other than what you've already mentioned, uh, or a person or an organization that you might recommend? I mean, you're in the Portland area, so Indeed. if you're willing to to connect with our council members on a further level, certainly, we could we could throw that out there too. <laughs>
2: Absolutely, yeah. I'm happy to field questions and be any support that I can. Um, my Thank email you. is uh, mhartman hartman um, at clackamas.us us, um, and that's I believe available on the Northwest Justice Forum website as well. But uh, aside from me, there's there's lots of resources in the Portland area. One exciting development over the past year has been that Multnomah and Washington County and Clackamas County, the three directors, um, are working side by side to really look at how restorative justice can inform their work as juvenile departments. Um, and so all of those departments are really exploring how to be more restorative in their responses to crime. Um, but mm. the the key resource right now really is Resolutions Northwest. Um, Betsy Connington, I, you know, if if Howard is nationally the grandfather of restorative justice, I think, I'm not sure how she'd feel about me saying this, but I think Betsy in this area would definitely be the mother or grandmother, or whatever's, um, yeah, whatever name she would take. She's really been... A keystone to the movement um, in Oregon in the Portland area. So, Resolutions Northwest is a foundational piece to what's happening
1: Mm -hmm. here. Wonderful. Great. Maybe one of these times we could have Betsy on here with us. I think that
2: would be great. Yeah.
1: Well, it looks like another council member would like to make a comment or ask a question, and I'd love to welcome Leah. You're live. Welcome. Yes. How do you spell Clackamas County?
2: (laughs) That's a great question. (laughs) It's uh, um, C-L-A-C-K-A-M-A-S.
3: A-M-A-S. Thank you.
1: Sure. Leah, I believe it sounds like that was the extent of your question. Is that true? That is true. We're writing down all these resources. Oh, great. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your participation tonight. So um, one of the other pieces that I'd like to just kind of make sure we point to tonight, Matthew, is mm-hmm. statistics. Mm. And as human beings, of course, we seem to have this need for, for proof <laughs> that Indeed. something is, um, is viable and workable and actually effective. Hmm. What is what have you seen so far in this field around statistical evidence? Are you keeping track of of the of it of your programs in in that way? And um, what have you seen?
2: Yeah, so I think as many practitioners know in the field that has been, you know, overall the, it's been a weak link in our capacity to move forward in our capacity as a field to strengthen the argument that we are having a positive impact. And so, you know, there's been some great work done out there. Mark Umbright has been a key piece of all of that. Um, But what I can say is, as a practitioner, one of the things that's hard to do, but I think centrally important for us to continue to gain momentum is being able to show effectiveness. Um, So, for example, one of the things that we did when we were redeveloping uh, the Victim Offender Mediation Program in Southern Oregon, and then uh, when I came up here and started the continued development. Warren Oster is the one who started the Victim Offender Dialogue Program here, but we've continued to develop that. And one of the things that we made sure was a key part of both those programs is having pre- and um, post-assessments in terms of asking questions about, perception of the other, asking questions about their experience with the justice system, asking questions about fairness. Um, And it's fairly extensive. It's actually quite a long assessment. Um, We get some grumbling, but for the most part, people are happy to help with that. Um, And then we do follow-up surveys, uh, especially with the youth, um, and then one with the victims as well. Uh, six months down the line. And so, we're really trying to track our impact. Is, you know, what we say we want to be doing, is is that really the reality um, of the outcomes of our work? And so, we're able to measure that. You know, we're, we did make some major adjustments in the process. Um, one of the key things that's central to our Victim Offender Dialogue Program is that it's predisposition, which is fairly unique. And it's also... Caused some um, bumps in the road in terms of our referrals, so <laughs> we haven't had a lot of um, referrals yet. And you know, the two years since we made those adjustments, um, but in the returns, the the ones that we have, uh, we're definitely getting positive um, feedback on those in terms of the statistics. And
0: mm-hmm. of course, on
2: on a national level, with the work that Mark has done, um, you know, he has definitely shown. Uh, the positive impacts that, at very least, dialogues can have. Um, The only other thing I can say is, as a juvenile department, you know, one of our approaches really, as I said, is to look at, as a whole, how can we be restorative? So, any given program may not be restorative justice in and of itself, of course, because it's a philosophy. As a whole, we're trying to make sure we're aligned through the combination of the different services we're providing. And one thing I can say is that approach has definitely served our statistics well. Um, One of the key statistics that, uh, for better or worse, is kind of raised uh, onto the podium is recidivism, of course. And we, in terms of medium-sized to large-sized counties throughout Oregon, we have the lowest recidivism at about 19 percent, which is, is, Wow. Really good, yeah. So, wow. so we're definitely seeing a positive impact in terms of our approach. Um, so that's exciting to see.
1: Uh, what, what is this, uh, I mean, I know that there's no real standard recidivism rate, mm-hmm. but uh, in maybe what might be called a non-restorative environment, what, what's kind of the standard or expected recidivism percentage? You know, but I'm not sure. I need the number that you just shared with us, right.
2: um, I'm not sure know I you know that answer. I do know that um, juvenile justice in general. Uh, so I like to think when I think about restorative justice, I like to think of it in terms of a spectrum. Um, Howard's given us that language in terms of something being, you know, less or more restorative. <laughs> um, And what I can say is juvenile justice really has come a long way that even in a system that isn't explicitly talking about justice in restorative ways, they still most likely, even just based on the laws, are doing some things that are restorative in their work with youth, at very least. Um, Now, that may neglect some of the stakeholders, um, and so you could make the argument that it's more rehabilitative. but nonetheless, the recidivism for juvenile justice is definitely lower than adult. Um, and I would say, I think most of the numbers across the state are in the 20s, um, maybe mid uh, to, to higher 20s. So, you know, we, we definitely have a significant, um, significantly less, uh, statistically speaking, uh, than other counties for the most part. Um, but I, I don't know specifically the numbers. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't. Mm -hmm. probably quote that.
1: Thank you. Uh, One of the other pieces of of statistical evidence that has been on the table in Colorado, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: uh, kind of coming out of the restorative justice symposium in Colorado Springs, one of the breakout sessions was discussing statistics in particular, and what came up in the room that really was a, a hot topic was cost projection savings so a projected analysis of what for example how much, how much would it have cost if this youth would have gone into uh, the law enforcement process and perhaps incarceration and is there a way to even measure that? Do you have any thoughts or comments on, on that piece because that seems to have quite a bit of weight to it if we could figure out a way to measure it and yeah. I know it couldn't be an exact science, but it certainly mm-hmm. is something that that could could really provide some useful um, estimates at least.
2: Absolutely, I. Yeah, I mean the the most I can say about it is just that more work like that needs to be done in this field. Um, we need people getting their PhDs and you know doing that kind of research um, because it is very impactful. Um, you know, and, and it makes it easier for people like Ellen, the director of our department, to reallocate funds to support this kind of work because she knows then and can make that argument through research to the people that you know, decide where money goes um, that it is going to get its money back, that it is going to um, save money in the long run and be more sustainable for the department uh, than otherwise. And that really is a key thing just in terms of juvenile justice, if anybody, you know, is interested in how that works. You know, a lot of people talk about, well, where do you get the money for this stuff? And um, there's no doubt as a larger county we may have more funds than many other counties. But what I will say is ultimately it came down to where are we spending our money. And the it's been a reallocation a reprioritization of where those funds are spent into programs, into the restorative community service, into project payback, into you know all these different services that we're able to provide because the budget has allowed us the decisions around the budget, has given us the resources necessary to do that. So that really is a key piece um, for juvenile justice or any justice system leadership to be able to do um, in order to make it work as a part of the system, at very least.
1: Mm-hmm. And I yeah, think I that, that research com- would help. <laughs> Definitely. I know that we're coming to the close here shortly of our time together tonight. It always goes by so fast. Indeed. Uh, yeah. There was there was a webcast question that related to personal forgiveness, and I know that that uh, given that we 're close to closing, um, nonetheless, I wanted to bring it up because there's been an interesting national i i, I don 't know if I would call it a dialogue, but it 's more of like a media presence that restorative justice has recently gained um, you know maybe part of it interconnected with that. Uh, article about the Sujata Balaga case mm. um, where she went in and really helped uh, the Gro- Kate Grossmare's family to um, be in process with the family and the offender who murdered their daughter mm. and the title of that article I believe was um, Is Forgiveness Possible? Mm. And I just wondered if you might comment or and or kind of dispel the myth uh, that forgiveness and restorative justice are, have an equal sign between them, as in, you know, they're not they're not a synonym. It's not not something that is expected of someone. Um, they don't have to forgive. But um, I want to hear from you about that.
2: Well, I mean, I, I would just echo what you said. I, I essentially. That forgiveness has to be, and I think Sujatha would echo this as well, it has to be a personal journey and a personal decision. And as much as you know, many of us in this field, we value forgiveness, um, it, the minute you bring that into our work, it becomes an expectation that can be thrust upon a crime victim, um, survivor. Uh, and that's just really dangerous territory. Um, right. One thing I know that we have really grown a lot over the last several years and we need to continue to grow is building bridges in terms of our focus on crime victims, in terms of it being mm-hmm. crime victim centered, in terms of building bridges with victim mm-hmm. advocates. And mm-hmm. that, that kind of language mm-hmm. was a key piece of maybe forming some broken relationship and some misperceptions mm-hmm. about what restorative justice is. So so yeah, I would just I'm really I'm so glad you brought
1: that up. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad you brought the victim advocate piece up, too, because, mm. in just again, thinking back to the Colorado legislation just passed, mm. you know, the importance of, of honoring the, you know, the, the, the need for safety and for assurance mm. that there's not a forced process that Absolutely. is actually a possibility, certainly, that forgiveness can come or, or even just that healing, some healing, inkling of healing might happen but that it's not uh, a prerequisite of the process. It's not an expectation. You know, uh, we do have another council member wanting to ask a question or make a comment. So I'm going to go ahead and open up the lines here. And welcome to you, Brian. You're live.
3: Yeah, I'm from San Diego, and I just wanted to talk about the cost savings uh, aspect of restorative justice as well as other proven programs. I'm a big fan of the Washington Institute of Public Policy Studies Mm. with all their their rigorous business evaluation and return on investments with various proven programs that they've been instituting over the past 10 to 20 years. They have a wonderful uh, video of their legislators uh, hearing from their director on just the surprise, cautious optimism of them being able to avoid building a $600 million prison because of their years of implementing a variety of proven programs that have saved money. And so if there's a desire to learn more about rigorous evaluations, cost projections, et cetera, to me, they're a wonderful model to look at and probably would have wonderful suggestions on how to proceed to that effect.
1: Brian, Brian, could you tell us um, again on the web where we might find more about that? Um, you're coming oh, in yes, a little bit course. in and out here. Okay. As far as you can just Google Washington Institute of Public Policy
3: Studies or the WIPS, and you'll find their website very easily. They have a wonderful video, as I mentioned, of their director talking about their success with their legislature. They have a wonderful... Uh, technical documentation for those who want to see how rigorous they had done the evaluations to determine the return on investment. How confident are they? How confident are they that they will get the return? So they've done a very good job. The Washington Institute of Public Policy Studies.
1: Oh, great. That's a wonderful resource. Really appreciate that, Brian, and thank you for chiming in tonight. And. Um, we are at the top of the hour, and so moving into closing tonight, Matthew, any further comments, uh, closing comments before we sign off for the evening? And it's been just a pleasure to host you tonight. Um, anything well, else you'd again, like to say?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, I again, thank you so much for the opportunity. I, I just, you know, I love any opportunity to share any kind of hope or energy around the plausibility and the momentum that restorative justice is gaining. And and that, you know, that ultimately would just be the thing that I would encourage and hope for out of these kinds of forums is that, like you said at the beginning, uh, meaningful uh, things that, active things that arise out of these kinds of conversations. And, you know, the biggest thing I hope for this field right now is that we get, more strategic in how we're approaching um, creating sustainable change, that we start finding ways to bridge between, like you said, whether it's the different legislation that's taking place nationally or how you know RJ Co um, is developing itself and other coalitions across the US. Um, I just really, really want us to become strategic in the sense of feeding off of each other and uh, trying to gain momentum nationally at a state level and then ultimately at a local level as well um, to create some sustainable change because I think we are at a very, very ripe moment in time um, mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of the change being possible. Uh, even if sometimes it's for the financial reasons that we weren't, wish wouldn't be the motivator. <laughs> It still can mm-hmm. be, and I say we take advantage of that. Yeah. <laughs> that would be what I'd say. <laughs> so, but yeah, really, I mean, thank Matthew, you so much for the work that you do. I really appreciate
1: well, it. Well, and likewise, thank you so much. And and again, we've been talking with Matthew Hartman, who is the Restorative Justice Coordinator at the Clackamas County Juvenile Department, and he's also the chair for the Northwest Justice Forum Planning Committee as well as many other incredible aspects of your background. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. On behalf of the Peace Alliance, I'm your host, Molly Rowan Leach, and I also just want to mention to you all again, please join us this summer as we are going to be conducting a 12-week track with the Summer of Peace, which is an international effort featuring Many pioneers from many different aspects of peace building and beyond. And we have a 12 week Restorative Justice on the Rise track. So, hope we'll see you there. And also to check out the website at dopeace.us that's dopeace.us backslash restorative justice. You can see more about upcoming speakers, the Summer of Peace series, as well as access over 70 archives a robust and growing library of this series. We're also going to be upgrading our website and adding a podcast feature with those archives in the very near future. So hopefully we'll be seeing you, some of you at the Northwest Justice Forum next week in Oregon City. If not, hope to see you on this series in the very very near future over the summer. And again, thank you, Matthew, so much for joining us tonight. And have a great night, everyone. Thank you.